Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the world of bagels today. I cannot wait. When you see the menu here at Shug's, you're going to think it is awesome. Um, and we haven't covered this space. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, Justin Shugru is on. It's so great to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you and great to see you here. Um, I was excited about man what you've created and launched and like everything. I did, I've got so many questions for you. Um, but before we do that, how about just share a little about you and how you even got into the, the food service and restaurant space? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Justin Chagru. I grew up in Westchester County, New York, which is the suburb just kind of north of the five rows. Um, and obviously, New York, the tri-state area, bagels are, are kind <laughs> Everywhere. of one with that culture. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, but it wasn't, you know, when I was young, it wasn't, I wasn't the kid who was always saying, like, I'm going to open up a bagel shop. I was just a lover of bagels. It's just, a, you know, what I would have probably seven days a week for breakfast. Um, but went to high school in, in the Northeast and then ended up getting to Dallas, Texas for college. Went to Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, great school. Um, and and I had a it's a it's a it's a school that has a lot of northeastern transplants. So um, that was the initial spark from the get go. Was that I was at this school in Texas with a bunch of other friends who are from the Connecticut, New Jersey, New York area, and it would just become an ongoing joke of like, man, we can't get a good bagel around here, and not even just the bagel, but also kind of that that New York bacon, egg and cheese bodega culture. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you know, it wasn't a career move. It was just, I think like a lot of people um, who might not realize that they have a, a, a business idea in their grasp, it was just a, a void in the market. It was just something that we were realizing that like, Oh, this doesn't exist yet. All these people want it. Isn't that funny? Um, so I kind of, well, like a lot of undergraduate students started to, drink the Kool-Aid of more traditional uh, career paths. So I was, you know, at the time was getting a degree in finance, um, was thinking I wanted to go into investment banking, not because I was passionate really about banking or finance, um, mostly just because I thought like, okay, you know, that's what the most intelligent, ambitious colleagues of mine in college want, college want to do. So shouldn't I want to do the same thing? Yeah. Um, so I did the whole, you know, internship and I was in New York for, you know, the summer and, and I was really unhappy. Um, and all the while when I wasn't doing internships, I grew up working in restaurants. Um, I worked at Jean George. Uh, he's a three Michelin star chef out of Manhattan. Um, he had a restaurant in Westchester County, New York, near my mom's place. Um, and some of the summers that I would just, you know, accidentally cut my teeth in the hospitality business. Um, a lot of people do this when they're in high school or college, which is just wait tables to pay bills. It's not like they care about the restaurant business. It's just that waiting tables is an easy job for a lot of people when you're in your late teens and early twenties. Um, but I kind of accidentally started to also get another kind of passion for hospitality, not necessarily bagels, but fine dining. Um, and I started to kind of wear every hat the restaurant would give me out. I, I would serve, I would, I would be a host, I would bartend, I would bar back, I would run food, um, mostly front of house position. So I didn't really get a culinary, uh, you know, aspect of it. But I, I learned, you know, the most important thing is just how to talk to people, you know, how sure. to get a, a customer in and out the door happy. 
um, and, you know, and, and, a, and a high profile customer. It was a very, um, you know, Martha Stewart, Richard Gere, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively were through the restaurant all the time. It was Crazy. a pretty swanky Crazy. restaurant. Yeah, it was very, very popular at the time. And it did really, really well um, to the point that one summer I didn't even want to go back to college. So I was making so much money that I told my mom, like, <laughs> it was so naive, naive at the time, but it was crazy how much money I was making a week. And it just didn't really look up to me to be like, to go back to get a degree in finance that I was not that, you know, jazzed right, about. Right. So my mom talked some sense into me, went back to SMU. And I think that's kind of where the crisis um, was like, okay, I, I don't like finance. I love hospitality. All my fr- my my ambitious friends are are working in banking, but I don't want to do that. I don't have a leg up. There's no nepotistic edge that is going to give me some sort of benefit here that I that I'm going to have a leg up on anybody. And I know myself. I'm so competitive that I'm going to become jaded over time um, <laughs> right. if I go down that field. And I have all my friends who are doing you know well in banking because their dad's you know a managing director somewhere and i just i could just see the writing on the wall of how i could start to hate that industry and sure and then i started to realize like man i love food i love food and beverage um so i ended up going back to dallas kind of put a, a hard stop on my finance career and i reached out to someone named hunter pond uh hunter pond opened up he was a forbes 30 under 30 in dallas and he opened up a a restaurant in Dallas called East Hampton Sandwich Company. And I thought, this guy is from the Northeast. He must be. His restaurant is called East Hampton Sandwich right, Company. Right. Uh, and I and I told him, like, hey, you should open up a bagel shop. And he didn't believe it in enough to to actually want to fund it or do it. But I, that was the, the real spark, is that he showed me how to fundraise, how to sign a lease, and he kind of put wind in my sails. And he was the first person to say, like, hey, you can do this. And if you have, if there's any part of the pseudo that you don't understand, I'll help you figure that part out. Um, and then I remember immediately after my conversation with Hunter, I called my mom. I was like, okay, like this is what I'm going to do. I don't think I need it. Once again, try to tell her I don't want to go back to college. Sure. She said, no, like you have one more, one more semester left. You can do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can kind of go into the whole ramp up page, but that was the real spark of the idea of just Got it. Northeastern in Dallas um, and, and, and talking to someone like Hunter who, who kind of, sparked that initial idea. And so you knew bagels, obviously. But it's one thing to say, you know, like, I like bagels, I grew up having bagels, I lived in the area with where I could go run to the shop and, you know, or, what, or even have family members that made them. Um, and it was another to have like a restaurant, like, and not just bagels, like in cream cheese, like it's like, you've done amazing, um, like in terms of the menu and what what all you can get, like, how did you figure that out? I mean, d- did you have help in terms of sorting out a menu and the right equipment and like you know what are, what were the early days like i think you know working at a fine dining place the most complicated of restaurants um you know operations it made it made the bagel business seem approachable because i would look at a restaurant like you know that is you know fighting for michelin stars and like sure. oh my like 50 employees huge multi-floor restaurants huge tables complicated operation and even then because i wore so many hats at that restaurant I didn't totally get any ins and out of it because I was still in like the ownership was mentoring me at the time. Sure. Um, but the, you know, I, I was starting to wrap my head around it. And then when I looked at a bagel shop, it was just kind of like, Oh, this is easy. You know, this is maybe <laughs> right. not easy, but like this, I could, I could figure this out. Yeah, um, there's a lot fair. less to, it was more bite-sized. That's fair. Um, and you know, on a more granular level, how, how I figured it out is kind of, as I was going through the initial fundraising process from family and friends, the most common criticism, which is the obvious criticism, was, was have you baked a bagel? Do you know how to bake bagels? <laughs> right. Have you worked right. at a bagel shop? 
Right. Um, and the answer was, was no. It was just that I kind of had that classic entrepreneurial naivete of like, right. no, but like I can figure it out. And then it goes so far. And like I, then I put a pin in fundraising probably after like half of the I raised maybe like a third of the funds that I needed. And I went up to Long Island, went to all these bagel shops and I just, you know, asked to talk to who's hiring or the owner. And I told them I'd work the worst shifts and I'll do it for free if you want me to. And I just want to learn fully transparent, like. My name's Justin. I want to open up a bagel shop in Dallas, Texas. I'm not trying to steal your secrets. Right. You know, most of these guys who work in bagel shops only or rather who own bagel shops either bought it from someone else or learned from someone else. There's so many of them because people are so willing to share that information in the tri-state area. It was very easy for me to approach a bagel shop owner and just be like, hey, you know, this is just something I want to do and I want to bring it to Dallas, Texas. And every single time they would be willing to, you know, to help. Um, and you know, a lot of these times were, these were like old Jewish men who had bagel shops for years who, who really wished like, Oh, I wish your son, my son, my son was, it was into bagels as much as you. And sure. you know, they, they, they were waiting for an opportunity to like have someone really care about their passion and career. So like I found that a lot of these bagel shop owners were like waiting it's like to lifting a, a weight off their chest just just to like share the knowledge of how to do it. So I did that for about four months. Um, actually learned the process and equipment, you know, recipes and and all of that. Um, but you know, there was definitely a big element of naivete and just you know willingness to to jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down. Sure. Um, and I think that's why Shug's kind of turned out to be a little bit different. I didn't I didn't end up doing such an extreme amount of homework that I copy and pasted something from the Northeast. I, I got a good education from the Northeast with a good background and kind of fine dining. And then Shug's kind of came from that and we learned a lot of stuff on the fly. Got it. Um, and how did you decide like on the, a location, like to start with, right? <laughs> like, where am I going to yeah. put this location? The first one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a relentless podcast listener myself. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts about anything that's of a rest a restaurant or, 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 or food and beverage founder talking about opening up their first location. Um, one common denominator I saw was opening up a restaurant next to a college campus. Um, Got you it. can talk about Raising Cane's next to LSU. You can talk about Chipotle next to uh, Boulder. Um, there, I mean, the list goes on and on. That is a, it's not uncommon to do to that story of a founder opening up a restaurant next to their alma mater, George C. Green. Um, this happens all the time. Uh, so, and also my mentor, Hunter Pond opened up his East Hampton sandwich company next to SMU as well. And you know, I could go all day about all of these, but sure. it's, it's not uncommon to do that because you, you, it's the, it's the perfect litmus test. Not only do young people prove that they like your food, the market that's going to be growing with you. Um, but when, depending on the university, young people from very different parts of the United States, um, give you your proof of concept. So it's harder for like an investor or any critic to say like, Oh, well, you know, this is a special case. They caught lightning in a bottle. Maybe only people right, here, right. you know, like this. It's kind of like, well, no, like they're young and they're from all over. How could you say this isn't going to work elsewhere? Um, so that's and also because I knew of like that initial feeling of like the northeastern transplants who are going to New York. The pandemic that even fueled for well, this was that happened after I already, you know, <laughs> you lost run, raised yeah. all the money, but. But that, that that was accidental kind of jet fuel to the plan, which is that you, the, there was the, the great migration that the pandemic started. A lot of people started moving from California and New York to places like Texas. Sure. Um, and that's still continuing. A lot of people are, are moving to places like Texas for work, for taxes, for a lot of reasons. Um, but I could just see the writing on the wall, I think, earlier on back in like 2015, 16, 17 of just like, hmm, 
tons of Northeastern transplants coming here. I know a lot of restaurant founders start their next location next to campuses. It, it seemed so obvious to go next to SME. So I looked properties for a while and I had a broker for a while and you, we would look at properties that weren't close to SMU. And there was just one particular property from day one that I wanted. And, um, you know, that's a whole separate story of <laughs> the, 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 the land, the landlord is, is SMU landlord is the landlord is my alma mater. Um, at my first location, sure. not at my second location. It, it's truly next to like the SMU bookstore. It's next to the SMU CDS. Like it's in that strip. Um, so I just went to the, to the university and I, you know, it's how I got in touch with Hunter. I just guessed his email. So I reached out, I guessed the email to SMU CFO. Um, and, and her name's, uh, Christine Regis, Chris Regis. And I pretty much just went into her office hat in hand and said like, Hey, this property is available. I know that you're talking to another restaurant about putting it there. Um, you know, this would be a really good story. Um, right. you, you ought to support an entrepreneur that, that, that's built a business plan within your confines. Exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, money talks, it's an expensive lease. You know, they're going to put a credit worthy tenant in a property that's expensive. They're not going to, they just need it's business. They, they, they could, they, they, I don't think they'd be really willing to take that risk, but their plan a fell through. Was it serendipitous? Who knows? Um, but their plan A fell through, and I put myself in position. I told them just like at least tell me I'm, I'm your plan B. Right. Um, and then you know, it, and and I I was, and they, I got the call, and uh, and ended up signing a ten year lease at that property, and then wow. the rest is history. That's really cool. Okay, lots of great things on the menu. Did you start with like only certain things, or did you start with the egg sandwiches and the cutlets and the classics and the del- like? You did you know? Did you expand over time? Would that yeah. look like? Uh, I think from the get-go, the inspiration was just like a classic New York bodega or bagel shop. Um, and a lot of those places are build-your-own, or at least the ones I grew up going to are build-your-own. Like the deli sure. experience of the New York of going to, you no, know, sure, you may have Uncle Tony's rendition of the Godfather sandwiches as well as like a bunch of other pre-made sandwiches. But most people go to their deli and they say like, hey, can I just get turkey and lettuce right. and tomato mayo on, 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 on this? And they, they, might, they might see those options, but they still just get what they get. Um, so like, I kind of started off with just like a build your own idea, which, you know, egg sandwiches, bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, egg and cheese, ham, egg and cheese. And then you have bagels with cream cheese, bagel and box, and then, you know, deli sandwiches, which is turkey or ham or chicken cutlets and stuff like that. Those are really the four menu items from the get go. Um, and then of course you kind of have your varieties of bagels, 16 different types of bagels and your variety of cream cheeses. And kind of, that's a very popular trend in food and beverage right now of like, you know, you can have a. Of, of, I only have four menu items really technically from what I just described, but because there's so many different types of bagels and so many different types of cream cheeses and so many sure. different types of ingredients, you can build so many custom options. There's thousands of permutations right. of what you can do with all that stuff. Totally. So I like the idea of keeping it super custom, uh, super simple, but from the customer's perspective, they, they kind of feel like they can create their own and they actually can create their own thing. And I've, it's still to this day, friends and, and customers they all day about just like, what is their order? And like, they always put their own little twist on their order. Um, but also kind of through the process, I learned over time that there that's one type of customer, the customer who knows exactly what they want. There's also the customer who's never been before. Who right. just is going to look at the menu and they just went, ah, yeah, just give me, give me that. Um, so we did eventually kind of create some um, classic options that were pre-made but they were just really just a representation of what the uh most common customers would most common items that customers would get so you know a bacon egg and cheese with a hash brown just became like super super common of course, um, of course. It, it, which makes sense 
Um, so we just thought like, okay, let's just name that something. Um, a yeah. lot of our menu items, we just, you know, customers would ask like, oh, do you have a pizza bagel? And like, we kind of didn't. So like, okay, let's put a pizza bagel on the menu. Um, and you know, it, it just, it was almost like a little cheat. It's like, it's like the easy way out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Delicious. And then, but it's, it's yeah. And, and some of the, no, some of the different variations are really amazing. I, I love the pictures you have on your site as well. Like it makes me look at that and go, oh, you know, I've never tried that. Like I might want to try that, you know, versus kind of my standard yeah. conservative self, which is like turkey and cheese. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so what yeah. about, how did you build awareness? Like, okay, got it. You got the space. You've, you kind of have figured out what you're going to make and what you're going to provide, but how did you even build awareness or did you have to, was it kind of like the doors open and suddenly people were coming through for bagels? Yeah, I, I struggle with this because we, we definitely did a really good job at it. We had a lineup with Al the door day one, um, wow, but I didn't pay awesome. for any marketing or do any, any traditional PR. Yeah, um, I, I think the, the real answer and the short answer is that like, it really was testament to the void in the market. There were a lot of people for a long time talking about like there ought to be bagel shop. So when there was a bagel shop and we had um, a Dallas Morning News wrote an article about us. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and it is a big fact. That's for sure. It was the, the initial spark. Sure. But I think people ran with that spark. And that really it, it was like jet fuel because wanted this to happen. So people were sharing the link and people were telling each other about it. And then also we opened up in June 2020. So, um, you know, the sky was falling in June, 2020, that right. was the pandemic. <laughs> so true. Um, and that was, if, the, you know, if you opened up the, any newspaper or, 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 or news outlet about, um, anything restaurant related, it was just an obituary of restaurants. It yeah. wasn't like this restaurant's opening. So we, not only was there a huge void in the market and we were the only people addressing it, but also, um, we were the only restaurant that was like, Hey, we're not closing. In fact, we're opening. Um, right. and you know, it's not, the sky's not falling, like, you know, wear masks, stay six feet apart, you know, do, do, do the COVID protocols, but you can yeah. come and we're still going to do this and it's going to work out. And, you know, it did work out people in, and well, thank God I was in Texas, you know, some, some <laughs> right. states would not, some other have, states might've been more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. I mean, I had friends opening up a bar in, in Manhattan that had to delay it like a year and a half. Oh you know, it was God. a completely different situation in New York than Texas. But in Texas, the show went on. Um, and we, you know, we had a really, really good, you know, right from day one, June 2020, yep. which is, you know, we're going up on our three, three year anniversary right now. Um, you know, ever since then, it was just just gangbusters. And then it was just word of mouth and social media. We have, we're pretty aggressive on Instagram. Um, sure. And I try my best to be, you know, keep a candid on Instagram and post yeah. memes and, and engage customer as much as I can. So um, I think our, our customers really appreciate that level of authenticity that we bring that like, Hey, clearly like this isn't some cookie cutter and, you know, right. social media person running their Instagram. And, you know, clearly this is an authentic, you know, it's not like when you go to, you know, at any restaurant with someone's name at the door, whether it's, um, you know, Papa John's, like you're going to see Papa John. No, but like when you go to shows, <laughs> like, and um, we're at that beautiful stage right now where like I am there. Right. I am you are there. Media. And it's like it, cool. is, it feels it feels very authentic. And right. I think customers really appreciated that. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would be really exciting. Um, so how do you think about growth? Like what's next? What's the next six to twelve months look like? Yeah, so next month uh, our second location is about to open it's in Dallas as well. It's about four miles from where the first one is. Um the first one kind of is just so busy that I needed to open one near that would be a release valve. Um, I think you know, my role models for growth, you know, there's a lot of ways for restaurants and this, it, it, none of them are right and none of them are wrong. There's just a lot of ways to do it. 
um, but one person I really have a lot of respect for is how Harry Snyder of In-N-Out Burger kind of grew his, which is just slow, purposeful growth. And just, you know, don't raise a bunch of money. Don't sell your soul. Don't put other hands on the steering wheel. You know, be the be the master of your own ship and, and just do what you think is right step by step by step. And and your your cult fans, your top lovers of shows will will over time, you know, really respect us and 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 be proud of that cult um as more time goes on. But I think I'm opening up the second location next month. It's in Dallas. And then I don't know what next step is. I definitely want to open up more, but I'm not really thinking about it. I'm just trying to think about this next location being as successful, if not better than the first. And then maybe Fort Worth, maybe Austin, maybe another place in DFW. DFW is a very, very big metroplex. Yeah, no doubt. Um, But I'm definitely going to grow. But I'm just going to do it with with kind of slow and purposeful intent. Um, I've also really thought about you know, kind of following that college campus model, New Orleans, right. Tulane. Um, there's, there's tons of Northeastern alumni that, that are Northeastern students that go to Tulane. Um, you know, I can easily see that working. Um, yeah, I think I'm just, I, I, I kind of wait for the right property to present itself at the right time. And then I'll jump on it. And ask sure. the, the check. I love it. Um, I always love to ask our guests uh, some of their biggest lessons learned. And I'm sure you've had a couple now. You're a couple years in um, to this and growing. Um, we got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to our show. What would be two or three things you'd offer to them as they're thinking about launching a brand or a, 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 a restaurant idea or concept like you, you've done? Um, it's. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing that, that has helped me is just just simply, you know, you can't do it alone and you have to hire really good people and taking care of those people, you know, is really, really important. And, you know, I'm not saying that because I'm, you know, doing God's work and I'm super altruistic and I think paying people as much as you can is the best thing. I think it's because you're my business, my own return will be greatest if you take care of your people and making sure that they know that no matter what, you're going to take care of them. So one, just just take care of your people through thick and thin and, and give them more than they need and then you'll get back more than you need. Um, and I guess maybe specifically in, in the rest space and in, in food and food and beverage. Um, yeah, I guess just, I think oftentimes in my experience, I've seen a lot of owners that almost have like a disdain for operation, like, you know, they're owners, but like, oh, they wouldn't, you know, pick up a dish or, you know, get their hands dirty right. or roll back their right. sleeves. But, um, it's not even that like, A, of course your employees respect you more if you, if you are willing to do that and you're not just like that distant owner and B, that's like, you just don't, if you don't keep an active pulse on your business, that is the only way that you're going to learn things that you improve. I mean, sure. I just like going on the line and making sandwiches just because I'll see something on the ticket and I'll be like, Oh, that, that can be better. You know, that, that that's not the most efficient way to do it. Um, but if I was, you know, at my computer 24 seven, like I just don't see that all the time. Which sure. is why it's important, I think, to kind of to do that. Slow, be in the operation. Growth is that if I do, totally exactly if I opened up ten locations next year and raised a bunch of money and got it done, and um, you know, I would lose track of that. I wouldn't be in the trenches anymore. I'd be so I'd be so involved with opening up, you know, with growing that I might lose track of like, well, no, there's still a lot of improvement to be done at the prototype level. Like we're totally. not there yet that we can copy and paste this all over the place. So maybe yeah. also if you you know if you're trying to scale a restaurant, don't get ahead of yourself. You know. Well, no, yeah, I, limit the number of details that need to be need to be perfected and then perfect every detail. Totally, man. I think it's great advice um, and cool concept. Um, and like I said, great, great website and whatnot. For those that are listening that maybe haven't visited you yet, uh, where can they find you? How can they connect with you, et cetera? 
Yeah. Shugsbagels.com. Uh, Shugsbagels on Instagram. Um, you know, obviously it's a restaurant, so you really have to be in Dallas, Texas. So most importantly, if you're ever in Dallas, come and check it out. <laughs> come check it out. Lane. I love it. And a great yeah. reference. I mean, for those that have similar concepts that you're looking to launch, you know, reach out to Justin on LinkedIn and get some input and advice from him. I mean, that's one of the best things about this network and retail and consumer goods and food and beverages. People want to help others. So, um, hey, man, so yeah. great having you. Uh, excited for where you are and where you're going. Love the concept. Great design, too. I don't know who did all like your menu boards and uh, layout and store and whatnot. It's very sharp. Um, But look forward to having you back on. Thanks so much for being with us today. Of course. Thank you, Justin. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.